The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What is going on, Bills Mafia? It is your host, AJ Sabalski, back with another episode of AJ's Analysis. I know... Um, Mondays is usually the day I go. I haven't been live in a couple of weeks. I've had a lot going on in terms of uh, just life itself. I have a new job that I just began uh, covering high school sports for Syracuse.com. And, you know, obviously high school games occur at night. So I'm now not able to go live on Mondays. Um, so now moving forward, uh, for all you people that listen on audio, again, I appreciate the support. Um, but for all those who listen on audio, I am now doing Thursdays. Uh, the show will release at two every Thursday, and uh, you know, obviously, con- consistently, it's still ages analysis, still me talking. Uh, I'll be doing a lot of talking, about 30, 40 minute episodes. Uh, that's the plan moving forward each week. Uh, I'm going to, you know, talk about the previous matchup the Bills faced. Obviously, any upcoming breaking news that the Bills um, do, and then also kind of preview uh, the matchup the the upcoming weekend or whenever the game occurs. So, with that. Um, again, I appreciate all the support, and I'm looking forward to kind of getting on my new schedule. This is going to be an audio-only podcast for the rest of the way, and uh, let's get into it. So, I want to start with the Bills-Broncos game last week. Uh, obviously, a Monday night game. The Bills basically had to win uh, if they wanted to put themselves back on the conversation of, you know, Playoffs are potentially a thing. Uh, they would have been in a good spot if they won this game. Obviously, that was not the case. Uh, they lost a 24-22 game that they probably deserved to lose. Um, they probably could have won it at the end, and we'll get down the road of why that happened and kind of get into these hard conversations that not only the Bills are having, but many people in the media and the fans have been talking about the last week. Um, and they, Again, they probably could have won it, um, but they probably shouldn't have won it just with the way they played. Um, four turnovers. Uh, only turning the ball over for the Denver Broncos one time. So they are, you know, turnover margin four to one. That's not good. Uh, you're not going to win football games like that, even against teams that you are better than. Uh, the Bills are a better football team. The Broncos, again, didn't really do much uh, in that game for me. Br- Russell Wilson was very efficient, didn't turn the ball over, very good in play action. The Bills struggle against play action uh, this season, uh, bottom of the league in that regard. So Russell Wilson was able to do, you know, what he was kind of asked to do, hand the ball off to Javante Williams. Again, I thought he had a subpar average day, very physical runner, um, hard to stop. But again, I didn't think he was very good in the game. I think he's a good running back, uh, but I think that the Bills have had more troubles against other running backs uh, this season. So Javante Williams, again, an average, an average ball game. For me, and I'll start with this, it, it feels to me that the Bills and who they've been the last month and what teams have kind of game planned to defeat this Bills team is play within yourself. The Bills will beat themselves. We don't have to do anything special. Stick to our game plan. Don't make mistakes. And the Bills will find a way to lose. And that's kind of been the thing. Like even the Giants game that they won 14 to nine, I felt like the Giants didn't do anything to lose that game. They handed the ball off. I know they scored nine points. Again, they weren't good offensively. But it came down to, uh, you know, a last-second touchdown attempt for the Giants where Tyrod Taylor, again, you can argue if Teron Johnson, that was a penalty. Darren Waller kind of had his hands in Teron Johnson's face mask as well. So it was kind of like an offsetting kind of situation. But 
the Bills to a Giants team that now I would say are considered, again, they've had multiple injuries and they're going through a lot as a, as a team, but the Giants are considered one of the worst teams in the NFL, if not the worst right now. Uh, they have the worst point differential in football. They're not that good. Um, they're, they're really not. They're, they're very bad, actually. Uh, they're the opposite of not that good. They're very bad. So the Giants, to me, that game was just kind of how the Bills have gotten beat. And again, they got lucky and escaped with a 14-9 victory. Uh, but, you know, the Jags game. Again, beating yourself. Obviously, the injuries again. I think were more transparent in that game, and going over to London at the time they did um, was also a thing. But the last month, again, the Bengals game. You look, uh, you know, the Bills beat themselves. You get the ball at, at the twenty. Josh Allen first play throws a pick. Um, so it's just that, that, that's kind of how I feel about it. And, and then you look, you know, you look at the Denver game. They get they win the toss right. They're, they're a team that when they win the toss, they usually defer. They're they're not a team that takes the ball. Well, they take the ball, and everyone's like, wow, they're going to come out fast. They're going to come out inspired. They have a lot of rights to fix, but they have the talent to fix them. And Dorsey has shown at times to be able to run a very elite offense. He's done it in his career um, by no means necessary. Is, is he not capable of doing his job? So they come out first play, James Cook fumble. That's it, man. Like, that's that's the Bills right now. Um, it, it's And then, again, We'll get into the coaching staff in, in a few in a few minutes here, but James Cook fumble next drive. The Bills are driving, putting a nice drive together. They completed a nice third down to Gabe Davis uh, to keep the drive going. Later in the drive, Josh Allen finds Gabe Davis off his hands, interception, back to back turnovers, two straight drives. Your defense again, a depleted defense. They had no Micah Hyde in this game, no Christian Benford, no Daquan Jones, no Matt Wano, no Tredavious White. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And you can't find a way to score more than 22 points. And again, the defense did allow Russell Wilson to score at the end of the game. That's kind of been the the recipe for this team. They, the offense gets going late. They figure it out late. They take a lead or make it close, and the defense can't close it out. But, you know, the first three quarters of the game, the defense is consistently, consistently figuring out ways, even if they haven't been good analytically, they've struggled, uh, you know, bottom of the league in DVOA. Bottom of the league in EPA per play allowed. Um, you know, a bunch of analytics point to the you know the defense struggling and being the issue. Um, but again, they've consistently through three quarters, most of these games have found ways to keep this Bills offense in them, while the Bills offense continues and continues to shoot themselves in the foot over and over again. Um, and, and it's something that again, let's get to the coaching staff. It's something that had to change, and the Bills decided on Tuesday morning to relieve Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, of his duties. Now, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, by the way, my, my Twitter's at AJ Sabalski. I post a lot of content on there, a lot of great information. Um, I, I cover the press conferences when I can. I, you know, during during games, I'm very active in terms of, you know, giving a lot of commentary of, uh, as to what's going on and stuff like that. But, like, on my Twitter, I have been – Supportive of Ken Dorsey because, again, the numbers have pointed to them being very successful. Their success rate is one of the best in the league. Uh, I felt like at times Josh Allen struggled. Again, he's having a very, very good season, uh, one of the best of his career numbers-wise. But he's turning the ball over 
uh, the most in the league and the, and the players haven't executed to their full potential. So again, that's why I've kind of been supportive of Condorcy. I think he's a good offensive coordinator. Again, I, I, there's probably upgrades you could do, but there's probably worse you could do than Condorcy. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, and, and that's, you know, watching the games back and watching some all 22 and watching, you know, and looking at the numbers, all that kind of compiled together. Um, it, it did feel like it was Bruce Nolan from Buffalo Rumblings. Great show. Comes out every Thursday morning. Tweeted out that it was kind of necessary that the Bills fire Ken Dorsey. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, yeah, it was necessary to fire Ken Dorsey. Um, you know, they put up – they haven't put up many points in the first half the past month. Uh, they've struggled to find points multiple occasions. They've, sh- you know, sh- sh- shot themselves in the foot. They ha- haven't really established an identity. Uh, they've been able to run the ball, but then they get away from it. Uh, they – they, they struggle they struggle spacing wise um, in terms of route concepts their spacing isn't the greatest um and and Ken Dorsey puts a lot on the players to execute that's what he does he he calls plays I don't know if he really has a rhythm to what he's doing or how to like call a game from start to finish he's very just let's try and you know win this way and hope that it works and let's hope that Josh Allen can figure it out um I, I will say this. There's more going wrong with the offense than just Ken Dorsey. Again, I think it was necessary that he does get fired. That is the move you make, a change. Um, that, that's something that you can do. It's something that the Bills did choose to do. And, I again, I was shocked by it, I will say. Like, for the Bills to do it at Week 10, again, I know it's been trending that way. And I don't think this was just, oh, they, they sucked against the Broncos, and that's the reason why it happened. By no means necessary do I think that's what happened. I think, obviously, it was – a culmination of what's happened over the last month with this offense. But Condorcy, and I tweeted it out, and it felt like he was a scapegoat. And not that I'm taking that back um, in any means necessary. I, I still feel like in part that he is the scapegoat. And we'll, and we'll talk about John McDermott here in a few minutes. But I feel that way mostly because of what the numbers and what the offense is doing analytically and what they've – put on film and their success rate and their EPA per play. Um, And again, it's been down the last month or so, but I feel like the Bills offense, again, it's been more about execution for me. Um, Again, play calling can be better. He can design plays better. He can, you know, go maybe under center more. Uh, But but the thing is Josh Allen loves going in shotgun. That's why they run shotgun so much. Josh Allen loves shotgun. That's why they're going in shotgun. It's not because Ken Dorsey has all this control and wants to, do shotgun because he's comfortable with it, and that's what he likes to do. They're running shotgun because Josh Allen likes to run shotgun, um, and that's kind of why they do it at, at the rate they do and why they're not as under center as much you know, compared to the rest of the league. So, again, Ken Dorsey fired. Um, again, I think it's a multifaceted thing. I don't think it's just Ken Dorsey. I don't think it's just execution. I don't think it's just Josh Allen. But it's definitely a multitude of things, and the way the offense has been trending this past month I felt as if it was a necessary thing to do to get, <clears throat> to get rid of your offensive coordinator. That again, ever since the Green Bay game uh, a couple of years ago, or in twenty twenty two, if that sounds better to your ears, in twenty twenty two, the Green Bay game, the second half, they put up twenty four in the first half, and then struggled and put up three points in the second half. It felt like they lost kind of something, and ever since then, it's felt a little different. So. The Ken Dorsey conversation does go back kind of to last year, midseason. I think people started to question what he can be. I think he started out really hot. The offense was executing. They were firing at all cylinders. Um, and they were doing a good job. But, you know, you can go you can go back to Green Bay game and question what Ken Dorsey's been able to do, and that's a fair criticism um, of Ken. And I, and I think that the Bills moving forward here need to figure out a way to limit turnovers, execute and get everybody involved with again I think Ken Dorsey did have trouble with was getting his weapons and utilizing his talent that was handed to him uh kind of utilizing that you know the 12 personnel again I thought it worked but um you know the, the loss of Dawson Knox has been apparent he's not going to stuff the stat sheet he's he's probably overpaid for his position um but relatively like he's making the same as Jonah Smith so Dawson Knox like it's a loss Again, because of 12 personnel, I think he's a very good blocker. Um, and that's something that the Bills really like to utilize with, with – or what they liked to utilize with Ken Dorsey was 12 personnel. That's why they got Dalton Kincaid and why they kind of took this – taken this approach this year, run the ball more um, and stuff like that. But, again, Ken Dorsey, he 
Man, it stinks because like Joe Brady just had his press conference. We're going to get to him next. But Joe Brady just had his press conference and was very high on Ken Dorsey. And I know he has to say that, sure, it's PR purposes. They're going to talk highly of their guy. But Josh Allen spoke highly of Ken Dorsey this week. Joe Brady spoken very highly of Ken Dorsey this week. And Josh Allen said something very interesting of substance and said, if we just played better football as an offense and executed better, we're probably not in this position. And like, yeah, Josh, I kind of agree. Like if you didn't turn the ball over – at the rate you've been turning the ball over. And if the, and the the receivers that have been put in position and have gotten open have tr- had trouble catching the ball at times, um, your running backs putting the ball on the ground, uh, your offensive line, who I thought's done a really, really good job this year, um, again, has had its moments where it struggled. So, it, again, it's a culmination of everything. And I really feel bad for Ken Dorsey. He's a great human being. I've listened to all his press conferences this year. You, you know that he's able to – do things um, that were good. It's not all just bad with him, but again, the Bills decided to move forward. And again, I think that's a fair thing and a necessary thing that the Bills had to do. Now, I want to get to Joe Brady. So his press conference was about an hour ago. Listen to the whole thing. And let me tell you, for a person that, again, I listen to basically all of the press conferences when I can. So I've listened to the majority of Ken Dorsey's press conferences over the last Two years. Um, I've listened to him a lot. I put on Twitter uh, my takeaways of kind of the Joe Brady press conference, how I felt about it, just my feelings on how he sounded, how he approached kind of this this opportunity that he's been handed to him. Again, let's start with Joe Brady. He was the, the, the passing game coordinator at LSU, got upgraded to OC with Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow had, you know, a record season, 60 passing touchdowns over 5,000 yards. Just crazy stuff for a college quarterback. Uh, Joe Burrow now, again, one of the most successful quarterbacks in the NFL. But Joe Brady, again, was a big part in developing that. Again, had a lot of talent on that team. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall Jr., you, you know, Clyde edwards alaire You can go on and on about that LSU roster. It was one of the best offenses of all time. Um, but Joe Brady, again, was the play caller for that. And he did a very, very good job um, at his time in LSU. Now we got an opportunity in Carolina, a below average offense. Um, I would say talent wise struggled and was fired um, in Carolina, which is why now he is in Buffalo as a quarterback's coach was here uh, for the last uh, couple of years as, as a QB coach. And now he will now be calling plays for the Buffalo Bills, which again, didn't really know much about him prior on um, becoming a Buffalo, but I have done my due diligence. Um, and again, there, there are some things that people like about Joe Brady from people like things that I've read from other sources that I trust, um, you know, very good at spacing, uh, route spacing, under, understanding where to space the guys on the offense to get open and find these kind of spots in zone or man to find, you know, kind of holes in defense to get open. Um, he's very good at stringing plays together, which means, you know, first and 10, we're going to do this. And then the next, we're going to do this. And then the next play, we're going to do this. That's something that he's, again, people have said he's very good at. And I think that's something that Ken Dorsey has struggled with. I think Ken Dorsey was calling plays and he found favorable matchups, but again, stringing a game together uh, to find an identity or rhythm um, was a struggle for him. And again, I understand the turnovers played a part in that because how are you supposed to find a rhythm when you're giving the ball to the other team at a rate that the bills have this year. Um, But Joe Brady is again, very good at, calling a football game and stringing these games out together. So press conference today, hour ago, refreshing press conference for me, um, in my eyes, in my opinion. I thought it was a very refreshing press conference from the new Bills offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Some of the notes I have uh, here in front of me, loves working for Sean McDermott. Uh, he was asked by someone on, on the, in the beat about Sean McDermott and how his relationship is, with him has grown. Very you know respectful uh, guy, says he's very detail-oriented, um, does things the right way. Loves working for him and loves coming into work every day, which is good. You want your offensive coordinator to enjoy working for the head coach, and that's a good thing, a, a good relationship to have uh, moving forward. Second thing, loves the city of Buffalo and the passion the fans have. Um, mentioned it. He was asked about what Buffalo kind of means to him. You know, he's a South Florida guy, comes from, you know, moves up to Buffalo, and he said he's embraced it um, and loves the, the passion that these fans have. And again, I also <laughs> will agree that I love the passion these fans have. It's, it's a two-edged sword. When it's really, really good, everyone's happy. It's the most positive and uplifting fan base in the world. When things are bad, it's a very negative, um, passionate you know, fan base as well. So either way, you guys are passionate. And that's what I love. That's why I love doing Bill's content. That's why doing Bill's content is so fun because either way, either end of the stick, either edge, either, either edge of the sword, 
Bills fans have an opinion. They voice their opinion. They're very, very passionate, um, and and that's why I enjoy it. And I think coaching the coaching staff does realize that as well. Um, they're very aware of how this fan base works and how they are. Third note, uh, he, he he was asked about what, you know, being a younger guy, I think it was Sal Capaccio asked Brady, Joe Brady, about being a younger presence. He's obviously like eight months younger than Joe or Von Miller, who's on the team. Um, and again, he's yet to kind of find himself. But Joe Brady um, was asked about that. Like, why how, is it hard to balance being young? Uh, in, a, in a group in the NFL, because it's not a common thing. Usually a lot of these guys are older, have a lot of experience, blah, blah, blah. He, he His response to me was very telling. And he said, just, you know, kind of paraphrasing what he said was being authentic as a person will make the guys want to play for him. So like, I remember he said this, like, if, if I'm, if I'm not a yeller and I start yelling, my players will see through that. Or if I'm, you know, calling plays a certain way that I'm not usually you know, calling them, my players will see that. So being authentic as a person, just being yourself for this team and being that presence where they can trust who they're talking to and who they, you know, are kind of playing for, you know, they're playing for themselves, but they're also playing for their offensive coordinator. Uh, They want to make their offensive coordinator look good. That's Josh Allen's job. Um, That's the offense's job is to make what the play caller is doing good, like to make them look good. So again, being authentic, I thought that was an interesting note. Interesting. Another interesting note, wear shorts at every practice. Um, so that's, that. I just thought that was pretty cool. Like South Florida guy, wear shorts at every practice. Um, he had a charisma about him when he was up there on the podium. Again, that's why I used the word refreshing um, when I put out the notes about, you know, his press conference. I thought it was very refreshing to hear uh, from Joe Brady. Communications key, figuring turn- turnovers out is something they're working on. Um, again, he, he, he was asked about Josh's swagger and his confidence level. Uh, moving forward, and, and Brady was quick to say he's the best in the NFL, and I'm so excited. You know, I'm I'm more than grateful to have the opportunity to coach a, a player of the caliber of Josh Allen, which is good. Um, Joe Brady, obviously, he's going to PR purposes. You're going to say stuff like that, and that's what you probably are always going to hear. But to hear confidence in Joe Brady on his quarterback, who's, again, had six straight games with an interception, people have questioned, is he the same person? Does he have the same mojo? Uh it's good. It's good to hear that. Still doesn't know if he will call plays from the booth or sideline. He said there's pros and cons to both. So, again, I don't think we'll really figure that out until game day when the, the Bills step on the field, and that's kind of where we'll, we'll see where Joe Brady is in the field in, in retrospect to that. And then another interesting note and the final note that I kind of had, they asked them going from quarterback's coach to kind of being promoted to the offensive coordinator role, will his approach change at all? He said no. Uh, his approach won't change as he switches roles from quarterback coach to OC. Um, another cool thing, he rocked Buffalo versus everybody hoodie, which I thought was cool. Like, it does feel like that right now. Like, everybody, even Buffalo is kind of against Buffalo <laughs> uh, at this point. So, it was cool to see, like, Buffalo versus everybody, that mentality. I think that's kind of what they need to have. If they ha- if they want a chance to overcome this and, and make a run at the playoffs, you have to ignore everything that's going on right now outside the building because it is – Sean McDermott's the problem. Ken Dorsey was awful. Uh, Josh Allen, he's on himself. He, you know, he's Hollywood and he has this new girlfriend and, and he's not the same person now. And it's changed him. And he needs to get back with his, you know, there's a lot of narratives out there right now that people are running with and that they're kind of building on to try and figure out wh- as to why the Bills are going down this kind of regression path this year at, at five and five through week 10. And you have to ignore that. And a Buffalo versus everybody kind of message, that's kind of the message they need to send to these players is you have to ignore what everyone's saying. So, again, very interested interested to see what Joe Brady dials up against the Jets. Again, the Jets are a team that has dominated the Bills, um, and not only the Bills, but everybody. They've they forced two interceptions on Patrick Mahomes. They forced three interceptions on Jalen Hurts and three interceptions on Josh Allen this year. So they've been very good against these elite quarterbacks. I'm intrigued to see what the Bills can do. And, man, would it be a, a step in the right direction in terms of confidence, identity, rhythm, if they could figure out a way to sustain some drives against a very good defense, put drives together, put up points, uh, not turn the ball over against the Jets' defense. You're really looking at, again, a step in building that confidence level to where they should be um, with a team on offense that is as talented as these, this Bills team is. So, Again, I'm very excited to see what Joe Brady can do moving forward. Um, and it's a, again, it was a very refreshing press conference to me. Very well spoken, uh, very charismatic. You could see his personality shine through. 
you know, very outgoing. You could just tell who he was. And I really appreciated listening to Joe Brady um, in his first press conference as a Bills office coordinator. So now I want to get to this Trevon Diggs thing that's going on. Um, Trevon Diggs, obviously the brother of Stefan Diggs. It's interesting because <laughs> one second, I got a cough. Hold on. It's interesting because Trevon Diggs, again, on the Cowboys, plays with Dak Prescott, and obviously suffered an ACL injury, a season-ending ACL injury early in the season. He treated twice during the Bills-Broncos game. The first one, man, 14 guy get up out of there. Talking about his brother, Stephon Diggs, getting out of Buffalo. The next day, let's not forget, he didn't start going off till bro got there. Now, I want to just totally, totally debunk that statement right now of let's not forget he didn't start going off till Bro got there. First of all, Josh Allen made a Cole Beasley, who again, good slot receiver, again, good player in this league. The Bills miss him tremendously. He was one of the best, you know, he was a safety ball for Josh. He got open over the middle. He got first down. So that's what he did. That was his role. He had a 900, over a 900-yard season and an all-pro caliber season with Josh Allen. He hasn't done that with Dak Prescott. He didn't do that with any other quarterback. He did that with Josh Allen, John Brown. You know what he was? A guy at the talent of his career. Got a contract with the Bills because, again, the Bills were in a spot where they needed to add talent. Um, and he was a guy that was a hot commodity, but, again, was older in his career at the time and, you know, in his late 20s. So, he wasn't really expected to be much. Again, he was expected to be a threat. He's had success in his career. Well, what does he do with Josh Allen? He puts up his best season of his career in 2019. 72 catches, 1,060 yards, six touchdowns. So John Brown, again, a guy that's been good in this league. He was around the league a while, had seven good years of football. His best was the quarterback, Josh Allen. So that brings me to Josh Allen and kind of what he's done at, at a quarterback level in his career. He's been able to elevate several players um, throughout his career. Diggs is having his best statistics in the NFL with Josh Allen. Let's compare here for uh, quick for a second here. Stephon Diggs in Minnesota, the year he before he got traded, 63 catches, 1,130 yards, six touchdowns. Again, very good numbers. Wide receiver one, very, very good numbers. Played five years in Minnesota. All of those seasons, you know, the, the previous year at 1,021 yards and nine touchdowns, all good things. He comes to Buffalo, his first season with Josh Allen, 127 catches compared to the 63 in 2019. Over 1,500 yards and eight touchdowns. Follows that up with 103 catches, 1,200, over 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns. And then in 2022, 108 yard or receptions, over 1,400 yards and 11 touchdowns. So in the last three seasons, he's had 29 touchdowns um, with the Bills. In his career in Minnesota, which spanned five years, 30 touchdowns. So again, 29 touchdowns in three years, 30 touchdowns in five years. You already you're already seeing he has seven touchdowns this year. Uh, so he's already over that 30 touchdown mark that he had in Minnesota in less years in Buffalo. So. I just want to throw out that narrative that Trevon Diggs, I don't know why he's doing this. I don't know if Steph is aware that he's doing this. I'm assuming he is. They're brothers. They talk a lot. They have a good relationship. Um, Diggs hasn't came out and really said anything. He speaks today to the press, so I'm, I'm sure he'll that'll be addressed and asked about. But it, he did not start going off till bro got there, like uh, Trevon Diggs tweeted. It was more of they both elevated each other. Josh Allen has elevated multiple players throughout his career. Stephon Diggs has elevated multiple quarterbacks throughout his career. But at the end of the day, it's not just black and white. Yeah, Stephon Diggs got here, so Josh Allen's good. That's not the truth. Um, Josh Allen is very, very talented. And I just wanted to throw that out there that whatever Trevon Diggs says, um, it's like, dude, you're on the Cowboys. Um, you, you, you have your own issues. You're not even playing right now because you have to rehab from an ACL injury. I understand that you want to support your brother and you're seeing what's happening in Buffalo and kind of this regression and they're five and five and Diggs was frustrated this off season and had all these questions and it feels like maybe there haven't been answers. Um, but Stefan Diggs hasn't really voiced his opinion. I think he's actually been more outgoing and supportive of this Bills team compared to previous years. He's posted a lot of things on Instagram. He's been supportive of his quarterback. He's 
believed in what they've been doing. It's not maybe, maybe he's saying different things behind closed doors to people he trusts, and he's telling people that he maybe he wants out after this offseason and he wants to get out of here before the franchise, whatever, whatever happens, happens. But Stefan Diggs hasn't been that critical or negative um, or cryptic per se this season. I think he's been very focused on the game. So for Javon Diggs to say that was just outright um, just, just annoying. It was just something that you don't need to say that. Um, it, it's just a weird thing to do. Uh, and that's just kind of where I'm at with it. Sean McDermott. Time to have the conversation that we have probably all subconsciously thought in our mind, like, is Sean McDermott the guy to get the Bills to the Super Bowl? Is he the guy to get the Bills over the hump? And now that the Bills are 5-5, five and five, they're reeling. The offense has struggled. Um, you look at the Denver game, going back to that real quick. The 12 men on the field, it can't happen. You could have won a game that you didn't deserve to win. But because of whatever, whether it was the special teams coach or the head coach, I'm going to blame the head coach because the special teams coach is still a part of this coaching staff. Um, he's still, they didn't fire Matthew Smiley. They fired Ken Dorsey. Um, so I'm going to blame the head coach for that. 12 men on the field and the, and they missed the field goal. You would have walked away with a win in a game you shouldn't have won because of how poorly you played. And you get 12 men on the field in the most crucial, crucial time. And this is something that I've noticed with the Bills, and maybe it's all random and all luck, and it doesn't really, there's not really a statistic for this. But the Cincinnati Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs and these upper echelon teams, I feel like whenever they play the Bills, they have, it's not talent. I feel like the talent's almost always there. But I feel like when they play these upper echelon teams in the AFC, game planning, coaching decisions and being good in situational football, I feel like the Chiefs and Bengals, and even though you could throw the Ravens in there, but again, the Ravens have struggled. They have an ability to play good situational football. They basically, not basically, they, they outcoach a lot of the teams they play and they have a lot of talent. So when you combine all those three things, they're going to be very good football teams. And Again, the Bengals, they're, they're five and four. They have a tough matchup against the Ravens tonight. Their season could be doomed, again, if they lose this game. They, they don't have a good AFC record. Their only win against the AFC is the Bills. So, um, again, their, their AFC record isn't good. So, if you're a Bills fan, root for the Ravens tonight. It would be huge for the Bills if they want to make a late push to the playoffs. But, again, Sean McDermott, I just don't know if he's the guy. And, and let's look back to his tenure when it started. He took a very, very below average 2017 team to the playoffs. Again, that was luck. That was because of Andy Dalton throwing a last-minute touchdown to Tyler Boyd, Tyler Boyd late-game heroics. The Bills handled their business against Miami, and they won an, and they they won their game and got into the playoffs. Lost a very, very, very frustrating game to the Jaguars, who I think they could have beaten if they had any um, energy or kind of flow on the offensive side of the ball. They put up six points. It was just brutal. Uh, the offense just was not good that game. The defense balled out. Offense stunk. Then you draft Josh Allen in 2018. That's kind of like your rebuilding year. You're going to, you know, figure out what you have with Josh, see if you can develop him, see what he is. You found some some intangibles, some tangible things with him in his rookie year, things that you're like, oh, yeah, he can run. He's very, you know, good at getting out of the pocket and very efficient in getting first down, scoring touchdowns, whatever. And he has a cannon of an arm. He can throw, make any throw on the field you want. Let's clean up his decision-making and let's figure out how to further this guy in the years moving forward. 2019, I thought Josh, again, wasn't there yet. He couldn't hit a deep ball to save his life. He was very good in the intermediate and short passing game that year, um, and it's something that he struggled with um, in 2019 was the deep ball. You're up 16 nothing against Texans in the wild card game, and you lose that game. Now, again, you can blame the players, you can, you can blame the coaching staff, but let's not forget, Sean McDermott's head coach. You blow a 16-0 lead in the playoffs. That's a dunk on the head coach. That's, that should have happened. You, you, you should have won that game. It didn't happen. Whatever. You want, you can blame Josh Allen. You can blame whatever. Um, but, again, it comes down to the head coach. 2020, they make it to the AFC Championship. Josh Allen erupts. They're this pass-heavy team. They kind of go away from the run. They're this pass-heavy team um, that is very electric. No one can stop them. And no one could figure out how to stop Josh Allen. They were they were just insane that year. Um, and lost in the AFC Championship. You're like, oh my gosh, they're they're so close. 
2021, it's going to be the year. Like they, they're right there. 2021. They're seven and six at one point. Then they get really hot. They go into New England, win the division, and, and close out the season in 11 and six. Have the perfect offensive game against the Patriots in the playoffs. And then 13 seconds after the game, Sean McDermott's asked about it. You know, what happened? He was like, I'm going to keep that in house. You know, we, we have to execute better in these moments. We have to figure out how to be a better football team in these key situations. And it, 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 that just can't happen. It's inexcusable. And we should have won that game. And that's on me and whatever. Take, take, took his responsibility, whatever. Didn't really get many answers from Sean. It was kind of just avoidance, execution, have to be, have to be better in late game situations. I think Sean, you know, that was kind of where I was like, is he, that's where I started to question and the thought came into mind. Like, can he be the guy that really gets the bills over the hump? Fast forward to 2022 regression. You can call whatever you want. They regressed on um, They, they went 13 and three. I, they didn't in the regular season, there was no regression, but in the playoffs, they got absolutely destroyed, out coached, out executed to a Bengals team. Um, Zach Taylor, Defensive coordinator Lou, um, I never can pronounce his last name, so I don't try. Um, they just were out coaching every facet of the game. Uh, the Bengals just had a really good game plan going in, and the Bills got dominated and lost 27-10. The offense didn't score any points. The defense, again, couldn't get the Bengals off the field, and Joe Burrow was his usual self, um, decisive, really good in the pocket, making every throw that he's asked to make. And, again, it's and then the offseason happens with the Diggs drama, and you have – all that going on, and McDermott says the wrong thing. It says, like, you know, I'm really worried about that, and that's not a thing that Stefan Diggs should be doing. And then kind of backtracks on that comment and talks about how, you know, it's fine. We figured it out. We had an important conversation. Everything's good. Um, we're looking forward to the season. Then you have, again, this year, just the 12 men on the field, um, some interesting coaching decisions um, in terms of, you know, game management, like using timeouts, um, stuff like that. So, again – that's the negative side. You could look at it in that in that lens. That that's kind of the negative lens of this conversation. Is Sean McDermott can't get the team over the hump. They've regressed. They're now five and five with a very talented roster. A, a roster that I deemed was the most talented in the Sean McDermott era before the season started. Again, injuries have a lot to play into that. Um, but now you can look at the other side of this. And this is where, and then I'm gonna bring it full circle and kind of my opinion on Sean McDermott and where I think the Bills should go in terms of their head coach. He took a very bad team in 2017 to the playoffs. That's a plus. As a head coach, taking a team to the playoffs that shouldn't that doesn't deserve to be like a Brian Dable. That's why he's getting another year as a head coach of the Giants. He took a team his first year in New York that didn't belong in the playoffs, but they found a way to make it. Sean McDermott did that in his first year. Second year, you know, rookie Josh Allen, you're trying to find an identity, rebuild, add defensive pieces, find your scheme, find players that want to play for you. Um, Brandon Bean, you know, his first draft as a GM, uh, you draft Jermaine Edmonds, you do some good things there. Fine. I mean, 2018, again, was a season that basically was, you know, let, let's see what we have and we'll continue to develop and kind of build this thing up and build that culture that we've preached since joining. 2019, you made the playoffs. Um, I could deem that they should have won that game, but again, you made the playoffs. Uh, you made the, you end up, you know, you go to the playoffs for the two second time in three years. You're you go ten and six. Josh Allen looks like he's taking a step forward. Your defense plays lights out. You're a defensive minded coach. You want your defense to play lights out. They did. Um, so again, they're moving in the right direction. Twenty twenty, you take it another step further. Again, Josh Allen goes crazy. There's absolutely something you rarely see from a quarterback is his jump from twenty nineteen to twenty twenty. They get the AFC Championship for the first time in a long time. Uh, they win the division for the first time in 25 years. You know, everything, you know, they're accomplishing things that Bills fans haven't felt in such a long time. AFC championships, winning the division. 2021, they do that again, win the division. You lose the Chiefs in a game that you probably should have won um, because of, again, situational football and not being able. It goes back to what I said earlier. Situational football, struggling in those key moments. They've been that kind of team, uh, for, in, in my opinion. It's just there's no analytic or stat, but watching it, watching games back, they've struggled in key moments, and 2021 was another blunder. But, again, really good team. They got hot at the right time. Unfortunate miscommunication at the end of the game cost you a season. But, again, they won the division. 
The Bills are in the playoffs. They weren't in the playoffs for 20 years. Um, or not, sorry, not 20, 17 years um, before Sean McDermott got here. So that's kind of the vision. That That's kind of what comes to mind is Sean McDermott is still putting this team in position every regular season to have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. 2022, 13-3, really good regular season. You went through a lot of adversity, um, you know, the Terry Pagula's wife, obviously very unfortunate, very sad. They had to go through that before the season even started. You have the, the mass shooting, the snowstorm where they had to move to Detroit to play a game. Damar Hamlin, Dawson Knox's brother, countless things. On at the end of the season, they just kind of ran out of gas. You lose 27 to 10 to a Bengals team that's proven they've been really good. They made the Super Bowl in the previous year. They've really done well against the Chiefs when they matched up. Um, so... <sighs> You can look at it through that lens too, guys. Like there, There's two lens here to look through. Sean McDermott has taken this team to places that, you know, th- that we haven't seen in years, um, 17 years. You didn't see it at all. And now with Sean McDermott here, that's all changed. And the, the narrative and the and the national media um, attention on the Bills is like nothing we've ever seen. And, you know, Josh Allen's on the, Mad- the cover of Madden and they're doing all these podcasts and they're able to sign guys like Von Miller who go from LA to, to Buffalo to play in the cold, uh, you know, where you really don't want to be, but Von Miller, you know, he wanted to be that finisher. Obviously the money was a part of it, but they wanted him to be that finisher. They thought he was the missing piece. Well, you know, towards ACL, unfortunate, you took the risk. You always got to take that risk on a player like that. Um, but I want to bring this full circle now. This is where I'm at with Sean McDermott. I went through the negatives questioning him, and I went through the positives of what he's been. I look at it this way. Unless the Bills lose, like, unless they really go, like, 6-11, and 11, or they lose out, or they're 7-10 and 10 and the losses that they lose are really bad, and the defense looks awful, and there's bad situation of football, like, that continues. That trend continues. I could see the Bills moving on. I'd be open. My, this is my opinion. Sorry, I'd be open to the Bills moving on from Sean McDermott after the season. That doesn't take away what he's done for this city, for this team, for this franchise, for all these players, for the culture he's built, for the for the memories he's created with this team, the 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 respect that he's put the Bills back on the map again for the first time ever. Um, I'd be okay with them moving on with Sean McDermott just because of the fact that I think maybe he has reached his ceiling as a coach. He's the, the bills are aggressing. They're only getting older. There's a lot of holes that need to be filled moving forward. And I think it's time for another coach to take over this, to take over that role. Now, if they don't go that route, that's okay. Um, if they don't, if they go nine and eight, they, you know, go eight, and nine, if they, even if they you know, lose all their games and they still decide to keep them, that's fine. He's done too much good throughout his career as a bills high coach to be like, let's just fire this guy after one bad season. But when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Next year, it's hot seat, man. Like his leash is very, very short. Um, if the Bills struggle in any way, if they start slow, if the defense doesn't look as good, if whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, and again, it's it's on the players too. This isn't all just head coaching, but I'm talking about needing change and your your head coach kind of reaching a ceiling in his career. Great defensive play caller, by the way. Um, I, I think the Bills should move on from McDermott. Now would I be okay if the Bills didn't move on from after this year, even if they don't make the playoffs? Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think, again, one bad season doesn't culminate for a complete firing. But you're going into next year with a short leash. Who knows what Stephon Diggs tries to do this offseason? Who knows um, what Micah Hyde's plans are for after the season um, in terms of does he want to continue playing? You don't really have that many defensive tackles under contract. The Quan Jones is a free agent. Ed Oliver is the only guy you got who, again, shout out to Ed Oliver – has the most pressure, has the highest pressure rate amongst defensive tackles in the league. Already has matched a sack total from last year. His contract, uh, he's living up to it, and it's been really nice to see from Ed Oliver. Um, so just a quick positive. But yeah, that's where I'm at with Sean McDermott. If you fire him, that's 
I understand. If you don't, I understand. Because you can look at it through both lenses, and that's kind of where I'm at with this team. So, let's look at the Bills versus Jets matchup um, before I get going here. Bills, you know, they've had their troubles against the Jets. They've lost two of their last three against them. Josh Allen, going back to last year in uh, in New York, struggled. Uh, had the pick on an, an intended flat route to Dawson Knox, got picked off. Had, also had an interception in his own side of the field to South Gardner. The Jets win that game with Zach Wilson. Uh, and then this year, obviously, week one. You, it's, it felt like an anomaly at first, but now it's feeling like maybe that was the, who the Bills are. Um, they're five and five now. Uh, that's kind of who they are. They are at this point. Again, Josh Allen, very, very, very bad game. Um, that's he's the reason they lost that game. Uh, if he just kept to, if he was able to take care of the ball in that game, the Bills win. So that's on the Bills' perspective side. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball with the Bills, hopefully Benford and Hyde were limited today. Hopefully they get those guys back. Um, Terrell Bernard again is healthy. Um, more healthy. Last week he was facing a concussion. He still played, but again, another week of him kind of getting past that. So, Bills defense, I think, will have could have a field day against the Jets. But again, what's the Jets game plan going to be? And it goes back to what I said earlier in the episode. Zach Wilson, don't turn the ball over. Brees Hall, we're going to run the football with you and get you involved as much as possible. You're the second best player on our offense. And Garrett Wilson make enough plays. We're going to move you around. The Jets do a really good job of that, of moving Garrett Wilson around uh, the line of scrimmage to kind of give themselves an advantage on coverage looks that teams are doing. That's what the Jets are really good at. Nate Hackett's been good at that. So that's that's the Jets' game plan. Don't turn the ball over. Zach Wilson, you know, that's that's the recipe because the Bills have shown over the course, and it's not, not a trend, it's who they are now. Until they can prove they can change it, it's who they are. They're a team that turns the ball over has costly penalties in key situations and is bad situationally. And the Jets will take advantage of that, and that's going to be the game plan. They're also one of the worst defenses in the league on opening drives. They suck. Um, they're they're not a good defense in the opening drive of the game. Look at the Bengals come right down the field and score. The Giants went down right down the field and scored. Uh, or not, not the Giants. Um, the Who was it? It was the home opener. Uh, the Raiders game. The Raiders go right down the field and score on them. Uh, the, the Dolphins go right down the field and score on them. So like, there's been multiple examples of the Bills' defense struggling on the opening drives. Analytically, they're at the bottom of the league in EPA and all that stuff on opening drives as well. They're one of the worst defenses in the league on opening drives. So if you're the Jets, you say, where can we get the ball? We run our scripted plays. We try to score points on a defense that's really struggled against the Bills or a defense that's really struggled against the opening drives and try to force turnovers on Josh Allen. He's turning the ball over at a rate he hasn't really turned it over at. Like, yeah, he turns the ball over, but 11 interceptions right now through 10 games, that's more than an interception per game. He's, you know, the fumbles, uh, you know, just Josh, you know, he dropped the ball against the Broncos, just blatantly dropped the ball again on a, on a drive where they could have scored. So again, I think the offense can figure it out. Uh, Joe Brady, a refreshing mind, kind of, again, we'll see how that goes more under center stuff, more pre-snap motion, better route spacing, Etc. You can go down the list of what you can maybe see from Joe Brady if if his fingers on this offense really change much. But what I want to see from the Bills is execution and turnovers. And I know Joe Brady talked about it in, in the press conference today about communicating that and understanding that turnovers shouldn't happen and they need to clean it up. And it's been the conversation now for over a month and maybe even longer than that with, with this offense. And the Bills are the better football team. They were the better football team against the Broncos. They're the better football team against the Patriots. They're better than these teams. It's about beating yourself. And if the Bills can take care of the football, allow their defense to, you know, continue to build, continue to build that confidence. I think they play, had their best game last week, sacking the quarterback, forced a, you know, a turnover, which they've had struggles with in, in weeks prior. I think the Bills defense showed some life last week um, against the Broncos, who again are a decent offense. I wouldn't say they're great or good or even average, but they're decent. They're 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 all right. Um, the Bills' defense has an opportunity to turn the ball over on Zach Wilson. Uh, the Bills' offense has an opportunity to show something and beat a defense that has dominated them, dominated them the last two years, two seasons. You lost to them already. You don't want to get swept by a team, especially against the Jets, a team that you are in. You are better than. By, by a mile. You are the better football team. Um, so, yeah, that's my thoughts on the Bills-Jets. 
Um, you know, obviously getting Gabe Davis more involved, Don Kincaid more involved. Uh, you know, you get Joe Brady, I'm, I'm, I'm very intrigued to see if Deontay Hardy and Trent Sherfield get utilized more, um, more under center run plays. I, I would say continue to run the ball with James Cook. I think it's something, a silver lining that they found last week. Sean McDermott's decision to bet James Cook, totally disagree with it. That's another, again, negative you can talk about Sean McDermott. But again, you really don't know what the offense is going to look like because it's a new OC and I'm really looking forward to it. But again, I appreciate everybody tuning in to Ages Analysis. I had the Bills winning this one um, 27 to 17. I think the Bills get it done and find 27 points against the Jets. I know that's crazy, but I'm really, I, I think they're close, man. Like maybe Ken Dorsey was a spark. Maybe I'm totally wrong and the Jets continue to win and the Bills just continue to go down this rabbit hole. If the Bills lose, I'm not looking forward to the week on social media and having to talk about that because again, five and six, you're out of the playoffs at that point. There's not really a chance with the schedule that they have that they can get anywhere. Um, so yeah, I got the Bills winning this one, 27-17. Again, the Jets game plan, I already went over it. The Bills game plan, get everyone involved and try to take advantage of Zach Wilson, at quarterback. He's not that good. So again, thank you all for listening to Ages Analysis. I'm going to try and have guests on this show um, moving forward as much as I can just because um, talking a lot like this is a challenge for me, but I do enjoy uh, talking and talking about this team and where this team is headed. But again, I appreciate it. If you are listening, please subscribe, like, share, um, anything to promote Buffalo Rumblings and this show. Um, and again, I will see you next Thursday, two o'clock is when the schedule is released or when the schedule, when the podcast is released and uh, I will see you guys then. Hopefully the bills are six and five and we're looking forward to a big matchup against the Eagles. I'll see you guys next week. Have a good one. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.